Well, here we are, not born to be kings. We're not immortals. And Steve, would you say that we are fighting to survive in a war against the darkest power? I don't know. Would you consider life a dark power? Hmm. It can be if you think about it. I mean, look at some of the stuff that happens in the world. Eh, life can be pretty dark, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We, as you probably guessed from my cheesy uh, spur-of-the-moment opening there, we're talking Highlander today, as in the Highlander franchise. Now, this is an episode where, Steve, you're probably going to be taking some of the lead because you know a lot more about Highlander than I do, and it's something that I, I well, I've seen most of the movies... I've seen the occasional TV series episode, but it's not something I followed uh, as much as you have. So let's jump right into today's topic, and let's start at the very beginning. The There were several Highlander movies, and the first one starred Christopher Lambert. Steve, why don't you start by, tell us a little bit about how you first came about this franchise. You know, did you see the movie in the theater? Did you just catch it on late night cable one day? How did you come to be interested in the Highlander franchise? Well, I would say that how I first came across the Highlanders franchise was actually after, you know, the first movie, and I think the second movie had already came out. So they were showing like the first movie on TV by then. And that's actually not surprising because from what I understand, the first Highlander film is one that's considered a cult classic in that it really didn't find its audience in the theater. And I think it may have actually been considered a box office bomb. However, when the movie came to like late night cable and HBO and, you know, that's where the movie really finally found its audience and people started to get interested in this franchise and this movie. And of course, the main concept of that first movie, spoiler alerts for <laughs> those that uh, never watched any of the Highlander series. Yes, yeah, so, okay, we'll just give one blanket spoiler, spoiler alert here since, yes, we are going to be talking a little bit about the movie endings. <laughs> So the main concept of the first movie, you got Christopher Lambert who plays the role of Connor McCloud. And at that point that the movie came out, there's only like about maybe four immortals left. And the concept in the, the series is, you know, the immortals are fighting the thing called the game. So basically the concept of the first movie is it's basically the game is ending. There's only like four immortals left. And at the end of the movie, it basically makes it Christopher Lambert's character, Connor, is him and the main protagonist in the movie are the last ones left. And the ending is Christopher Lambert wins. Yep. And the... Yeah. Thus gaining whatever it is that ultimate knowledge and all that. He is the last of the immortals. Yep, the prize, as they call it, which... Now, you're probably going to know a little bit more about the prize than I do. 
from, I've heard a couple different in, interpretations of what exactly the prize is. You mentioned one of them that it's ultimate power and wisdom because one of the things that I believe they establish in the series is that when an immortal takes the head of another immortal, he gains power, but he also gains some of that Highlander, some of that immortals, like memories or skills. So if you think about it, if you've got these, you know, this race of immortal warriors that's been fighting for thousands and thousands of years, if not longer, and if each time you kill an immortal, you're gaining their knowledge and wisdom, then yeah, you could theoretically be possessing thousands and thousands and thousands of years of knowledge and wisdom. Another interpretation I've heard of the prize is that it makes the, the immortal capable of having children again. And that's one that is explored in one of the later movies, Highlander the Source. Which we'll explain later. Yep. And, you know, so that one, because theoretically immortals are sterile because, well, if you're going to live forever, assuming someone doesn't cut your head off with a big, huge sword, of course, if you're going to live forever, what need do you have to have children? So therefore, somehow, the Immortals in the Highlander franchise are sterile. So have you heard of any other interpretations for what the prize is, other than the ability to have children or ultimate knowledge and power? That's basically the big uh, topic that they always mention throughout the series. So is, those you know, two... the ultimate power and knowledge you gain from all other immortals. So which interpretation do you like better? Do you like the idea of, okay, you win the prize, you've got ultimate power and knowledge, or do you prefer the interpretation where, hey, you're immortal and you can have kids now? If we go along the movies, the, the final Highlander movies puts that second topic out the window, basically. Not jumping too far ahead because we want to discuss all these Highlander movies somewhat in order here. But the last movie talks about the topic of immortals having kids. Yeah, and I think isn't it isn't it supposed to be that with the immortals being able to have children again, it's supposed to move humanity into like the next stage of uh, human evolution? So, yeah, that was one of the rumored things in that movie. Because I think that's... So, I think that's what's implied because I don't remember the name of Duncan's love interest in this one. And again, I know we're moving ahead of ourselves. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I don't remember her name, but the movie ends with her being pregnant with uh, Duncan's child. So that's another one of those interpretations. I've heard the reason that they want immortals to have children is that way it Again, it moves us to the next stage of human evolution. So, but getting back to the first movie where I believe in this one, since right now it's just a movie, the interpretation is the prize would just be ultimate power and wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. And this one, we do meet a few different immortals. The uh, main antagonist, uh, the Kurgan, played by Clancy Brown. And you know what other roles Clancy Brown was known for? No, why don't you tell us? Well, one of them is his lesser-known role. I mean, if you're a Transformers fan, you might recognize him from uh, one of these roles. In the series Transformers Prime, he voices a human character named Silas, who's one of the bad guys. 
But the other role, and I was actually surprised to find this out, he voices Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> so there yeah. can be only one crab. <laughs> yeah, there can be only one crab. So yeah, he those are two of his roles, and I know, of course, he's done you know tons of other things. He's I, I believe he's still acting. I don't think he's decided to call it quits yet, because uh, Transformers Prime that came out like I think about three years ago. But anyways, that's aside the point. Uh, as far as I know, Clancy Brown is still uh, acting and you know still working and uh, you know of course still doing the voice of Mr. Krabs, and I'm sure he's got other things that he's doing as well. But and of course, another notable actor in this movie was Sean Connery. Oh yeah, the great old mentor for Connor. Yeah, and the would you say in a way that they kind of have a similar relationship to like Qui Gon Jinn and Ben Obi Wan Kenobi in uh, Phantom Menace, kind of that teacher student relationship? Well, that's basically what a lot of things you know they got to do with. You know, you get the teacher mentor, so the junior one knows what's in store for him, you know. Find out he's immortal, and now he's got to go cut heads off other people. And then at a certain point, you know, the teacher's got to cut the strings because they know eventually we got to face each other. So what are some of your impressions of the first Highlander as a movie? I mean, obviously you liked it because it got you into the franchise, I think, but... What are some of your other impressions on it? I I would have to say it was also a interesting concept at the time. You know, immortals having to fight, you know, for survival, you know, and then all the lovely sword battles and whatnot. Oh yeah. And that's one of the things I did like about it is they did show some of the character development. You know, they talked about of course how Connor and the Kurgan uh, came to meet and why there the why there's this bitter rivalry between the two of them. You know, I like how they got into his relationship with Ramirez, and because if you think about it, if you have these, you know, if, if you have this legion of characters that all of them could theoretically live forever, yeah, they're going to have relationships between them, and you have the potential to develop some really interesting characters. And again, we're getting ahead of ourselves again, but. Uh, I know one character that was pretty interesting from the the, the TV series, Mythos. Because I believe in that when they established that Mythos is the oldest known immortal. Yep, over 5,000 years old, according to this franchise. Yeah, and I, I remember reading a little bit about him a while ago, and he seems like he would be a really interesting character because, from what I understand, he's done some pretty terrible things during his life. Yeah, when when they introduced his backstory, you find out that the uh, story of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, he was actually one of the horsemen. But getting back to the Highland, first Highlander movie, now when the movie ends, of course, with Connor defeating the Kurgan, and honestly, I think the series, the movie could have ended there. I thought that it tied it up uh, really nicely, you know, because I don't think when they made this movie, they ever dreamed that they would actually be making, what was it, four more movies after that with the Highlander franchise, and then it would also 
spin off a couple of TV series as well. So uh, this moves us to the second one, uh, the second Highlander movie. You're going to have to talk about this one because I know a little bit about what the movie's about. However, I've never actually seen it. So tell us about Highlander 2, The Quickening. Highlander 2 takes uh, place like several years after the first one, but then throws an interesting twist into the Highlander universe. And that twist is they made those immortals actually aliens from another world. And from what I understand, that was not very well received by the fan base at the time. They liked the idea better of well, actually not really knowing where or how or why the immortals came to be. So, you know, this whole idea, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. I know I I talked a little bit about this guy on my friend Dan. He has his show, he does Radio Free Borderlands. And, you know, Dan has been on my show several times. But we talked about this one guy in one of his episodes. Have you ever watched the show I think it's Ancient Aliens. Yes. There's that guy, like, Giorgio, or he has some really strange name, and he's he's got Giorgio, this, like... yeah. Yeah, and he's got this, like, really goofy hairstyle, like it's... Looks like he just stuck his finger in an electrical socket because it's all sticking up and stuff. You know, his big thing in that is whenever you can't explain something... Aliens! So, apparently, I, I, I wonder if the people who wrote Highlander 2, if they knew about this guy at the time. Uh, I watch, I don't know how old he would have been at the time, but hmm, let's see, how are we going to explain these uh, these uh, immortal humans that are fighting on the Earth? I know. Aliens! Yeah, and the thing is, besides being aliens, they actually made Earth like a prison world, like uh, what British did with Australia. <laughs> oh, we got these prisoners. Ah, let's boot them to Earth. Yeah, they're they're not doing anything important down on there at Earth. Here, have fun. And so, okay, so you've got Earth, uh, a prison planet for immortal aliens from another planet. Yeah, and in that one, basically the concept of the prize is you're now mortal. After being immortal for so long, killing everyone. You finally can live to be an old age and die of old age. Gee, until that's... someone from until someone from that alien world comes to Earth again, and then you're back being immortal again. Yeah, gee, let's see. I could stay my same age and live forever, or I can cease being immortal and I can die of old age. There's an interesting choice for you, so. Now, what are some of the... Who is the major antagonist in this movie? Because I know in this one, it starts out Connor as an old man. And, of course, in the first one, we had the Kurgan as his uh, his, his major uh, nemesis. Who is the antagonist in this one? Well, according to the backstory of that movie, there was apparently this rebel fraction on that alien world that Ramirez and uh, Connor was in and of course they get caught sent to earth well the person i i think it was the person that caught him or someone on the opposite side of the fraction apparently had this 
problem with Connor, and it's like, I need to take care of him. I will go to Earth to finish him off. Not realizing that if he had waited a couple more years, he would have been dead from <laughs> old age. Yeah, and the wasn't there also something in this particular movie about the environment or... So again, I've read bits and pieces of it, and I think there was something like the atmosphere. They had to darken the atmosphere. Yeah, there was a problem with the atmosphere, and so they, Connor, along with other people, created this uh, shield to surround the Earth. Yeah, and from what I understand, Highlander 2 The Quickening was even more poorly received than the first one. Because, uh, again, I don't think the first one was really seen as a bad movie. It just it never found its audience. Whereas uh, Highlander 2 was legitimately a bad movie. And as I said before, I haven't actually seen Highlander 2, so I'm not sure exactly why it's considered a bad movie. Now, did you like Highlander 2, or did you, or did you fall among the camp like, what the hell is this crap? Yeah, I think uh, I would say I fall along the lines of what the hell is this crap? Because after watching the first movie, you know, you get in the frame of mind, okay, there's these immortals on Earth, you know, and doing all this thing. And then the second movie comes in and goes, oh, yeah, all those immortals? Yeah, they're actually aliens. No, Steve, Steve, like, you're Steve. Yeah. You're saying it wrong. It's aliens. They are aliens. <laughs> so, yeah, and this one. Again, I'm not sure exactly how it fared at the box office. I just know that it was not, it was very poorly received. But yeah, despite this. That, oh, yeah, I would say that uh, at the time, you know, when mo the second movie came out, you know, where you were saying there was finally, you know, a small sect that were of followers finally getting into it. And then the second movie comes out and they're like, what the heck did you just do with this series? Yeah, and that's, unfortunately, that is something that isn't uncommon in movie franchises, where they release a sequel that essentially says, oh, yeah, all that stuff in the last movie, uh, that either kind of didn't count, or now we're going to add something that's going to make it totally unbelievable, or just, we're going to add stuff that's going to basically piss off the fan base. A good example, remember Star Wars? Remember Star Wars? In the original trilogy, what did we really know about the Force? Not a whole lot. Yeah, we knew it was this mysterious energy that a certain number of people could tap into and use it to do things like choke people and do really high flippy jumps and fight with lightsabers. And apparently the Force can do stuff that's so spectacular that destroying a planet pales in comparison to its power. But again, they really didn't tell you too much about what caused the Force or exactly what it was. Then came the prequel trilogies. What do the prequels tell us causes the Force? Stuff in your blood. So yeah, no, no longer is the Force this mysterious energy that people can tap into. It's caused by stuff in your blood. And I know that's one of the things that a lot of people really hated about episode one and what Other the prequel Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yes, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I mean Dan and I we did an entire episode just on episode one. 
but yeah, I know Jar Jar Binks is one, but yeah, the whole midi-chlorians and the force being caused by bacteria in your blood, that, I can certainly understand how that killed it for a lot of people, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Well, I don't know what came first chronologically, whether the TV series came out after the second movie or if they released the third movie before the TV series. As we move on, we're going to talk about the third movie this time. Yeah, I think, I think the third movie came out before the TV series. Yeah, because but I'd have to verify my uh, dates again. But yeah, we'll we'll go with the third movie. Okay, the third movie, Highlander, which I believe the subtitle is either The Final Dimension or The Sorcerer, depending on which version you saw, whether it was the... Yeah, I had the Final Dimension version. Yeah, because I saw it on Netflix, and there they called it uh, Highlander, The Final Dimension. And I think they made a very wise move in this movie. All the stuff that happened in the second movie, uh, they kind of, you know swept that underneath the bed kind of like you know a child my son when he's cleaning his room but he doesn't really want to clean his room you know he just kind of throws toys and dirty clothes under the bed that's kind of what they did with the second movie when they made highlander the final dimension they're like yeah all that stuff about aliens from other planets yeah we'll not follow that topic so we'll go back to the original concept yeah and i think the movie was better for that because I enjoyed it. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember that Mario Van Peebles was the... He played the main antagonist to Connor in this one. Don't they go into more background about uh, Connor's sword in this one? I think so. Because the the main concept of that movie is there's these group of few immortals you know, went and tracked down this other immortal, killed him, took his power, and while the quickening was happening, the uh, immortal sent a curse to those, sending them to the future to whoever was the last one, last immortal. Okay, yeah, I vaguely remember that part, because didn't they, like, they they were, like, weren't they, like, trapped in some kind of cave, and that's when the, like, some archaeologists or something dug them up? Yeah, it was basically the cave. They got stuck. And then when uh, Connor was the last immortal, it freed him somehow. Yeah, and this one, I believe Mario Van Peebles' character, and again, I'm just saying that because I don't remember the name of the character he was playing, I believe his main power was illusion. Yeah, the, the main powers was illusion. Okay, and... Other than that, I mean, I don't remember too much about it. I know that they had... To, I remember them having to take the battle back to Scotland because I I think they went to Connor's ancestral home. Or did, wasn't it the the place where his, uh, his wife was in the first movie and the place where the Kurgan killed Ramirez? Uh, yeah, it's basically where uh, Connor lived when, uh, with his wife and stuff and his wife died. And he used the uh, McLeod family sword as a grave marker. Okay. Yeah, and I, like I said, I enjoyed it from what I can remember of it. I wish we could go more into it, but like I said, I don't really remember too, too much of it. It's definitely not the worst movie I've seen. Not the best, but fairly enjoyable. I mean, you can you know, certainly feel, you know, look it up on Netflix if you have the chance and see if it's still playing. Um, Any other thoughts about the 
uh, Highlander, The Final Dimension? Well, not much. Uh, basically, the concept was they tried to bring it back to, like, the concept of the first movie while trying to go, well, if Connor's the last one, how are we going to bring more Immortals back? And I know. I'm travel. Yes, because obviously we don't want to go the aliens route again because the fans didn't like that. So I'd have to say, I don't know, which one seems more believable, time-traveling immortals or alien immortals from another planet? Well, I'd probably go more with the time travel because uh, <laughs> who knows what the mysterious power of this quickening can do. Yeah, and you think you think about it in a way, they are immortal. So, you know, yeah, they can pretty much live... Uh, I guess you could say if they live forever, that's kind of time travel in a way. But to get back on track, so after Highlander, The Final Dimension, sometime around this era, we get the TV series. And this one, instead of focusing on Connor McCloud, we're introduced to a new character, Duncan McCloud, played by Adrian Paul. So how did you first learn about the Highlander TV series? Because I my answer is pretty simple, and that is I learned about it from you. So you have to lead this one off. <laughs> yeah, basically I have to say, by the time I got into the TV series, it was already like a couple seasons in, so I was basically watching flashbacks, you know, reruns type of deal, just to get the previous seasons. And, of course, my favorite is, is the very first episode is basically a concept of, you know, passing the torch. Because the very first episode had Connor McCloud in it, where he meets up again with Duncan McCloud. And my favorite line in that whole series happens in that episode. What's that? Of where, you know, Duncan is facing off against this other immortal, and then Connor shows up, and the bad guy goes, Who are you? I'm Connor McCloud. Same clan, different vintage. Because there's like about a 50-year difference between Connor and Duncan. The Highlander TV series, it was well-received. You know, the fans really liked it. The only major complaint I've heard about it is it kind of fell into this whole trap of, let me rephrase that, it fell into a rut where kind of like the early episodes of the X-Files, it was like Monster of the Week. The... The Highlander TV series was essentially Immortal of the Week. Now, did you find that the show became kind of predictable where it's like, okay, we know that Duncan is going to meet a, an immortal, they're going to get in a sword fight, and they're going and then Duncan's going to kill the other immortal. Did, did you find it got stuck in a rut, or did they do things to kind of keep the series fresh and interesting? And like I said, I haven't really seen many episodes of the TV series, so I'm not sure exactly how they wrote the the series. At least the first season or two is how you said it. it was like the immortal of the week. It'd be like episode something happens, and basically Duncan has to fight another immortal. Yeah, and I'm sure I remember one episode where they met some guy who they established was Duncan's friend way back when. So the episode kind of jumped between what was happening in the present and flashbacks from what was happening when uh, Connor, I'm sorry, not Connor, Duncan met this guy. And then, of course, they ended up having the sword fight at the end. Duncan killed him. And I remember him actually seeming kind of sad that he had to kill his friend like this. I mean, 
was Duncan like that in a lot of episodes where he would, when he killed an immortal, was he usually like, hey, quickening, more power, yay? Or did he ever, did he actually have a lot of times where it was like, okay, I just killed someone that I, you know, knew for, you know, hundreds of years and I considered a friend? And did he almost have some sort of sadness about killing these other immortals? Yeah, there were some immortals that when it was killed, Duncan did feel like, I don't want to kill you. Please don't force me to. And then is forced to. Yeah. And I know another thing that they, another little bit of Highlander lore that they introduced in the TV series, the watchers. And this was, I thought it was an interesting idea because, okay, you've got these immortals fighting, but when they introduced the watchers, I think that helped really add to the mythology of the Highlander series. Okay, so you've got these mortals. They are watching these battles between the immortals. They're keeping records. Why are they doing this? So why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the Watchers? Now, I think you told me one time, didn't didn't it start back in like the Babylonian or Sumerian times when the hero Gilgamesh was actually established to be an immortal and the uh, like some guy happened to realize that this person was an immortal and realized that there were immortals and he stuck formed this organization to kind of keep an eye on them. I forget what the uh, concept was that first introduced the watchers because it's been a while since I've seen, you know, the episodes that talk about the watcher history, but just to refresh people on the uh, Highlander TV series. It basically takes the concept of the first movie, and instead of making uh, the Kurgan and Connor the last immortals, it was just another random fight. So basically, TV series takes place after the first movie, but it's not Connor's the last one. It's just another random fight that Connor had to deal with in his life. Yeah, so... Would you say that the TV series, does it kick the third Highlander movie out of continuity, or do they ever come back to address whether Highlander The Final Dimension could still take place in this new continuity? Well, definitely the TV series kicks the second movie out the window, (laughs) as in this never happened. And as I said... The TV series takes the first movie and goes, yes, it happened, but it wasn't because Connor and the Kurgan were the last two. It was just another random fight. So basically, the first Highlander movie was just another day in the life of Connor McLeod. Yeah. And the third movie, I would have to say that, yeah, the TV series kicked it out the window. So at this time, it seemed that they pretty much just wanted to focus on Highlander as a TV franchise as opposed to a movie franchise. And I think to some extent it did work because the, I mean, I'm not going to not saying that the third movie was a Highlander movie was a bad movie, but I don't think it tied up things as neatly as the first one did. But, well, getting back to the Watchers. I believe one of the reasons that they stated the that they watched the the immortals fight and they take these notes is because there are some people who fear that you know the last immortal 
if it turns out that this person is evil and wretched, he's essentially going to slay humanity. And to this extent, we find out in the, the fourth movie, Highlander Endgame, that the Watchers did actually establish sanctuaries. And what these were, these were places where, let's say there was an immortal that didn't want to participate in the game anymore. He didn't want to live a life of, you know, watching his back and getting in sword fights. He could be, he could request to be put in a sanctuary where essentially he's put in a state of suspended animation and guarded by watchers, essentially to make sure that the game doesn't end. Your thoughts on that, or is that just something that you never really thought about? Well, I would have to say that the concept, yeah, I can picture some of the uh, watchers doing that, because throughout the series, you find out that, you know, watchers in more present day, so I started going, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we're supposed to watch these immortals, but then some of them started going, man, these guys are, you know, going evil. We got to get rid of them. They suddenly go renegade and using their watcher connections, you know, they know where they all are. So it's like, we need to get rid of these immortals. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me about that, where they did have a story arc where there was actually a war within the Watcher ranks. And the Highlanders, the Immortals, they kind of took a back seat in their own series because they, the real focus of those few episodes was this war between the, the Watchers, where you had the ones that continued with their vow to just watch and not interfere. And then you had this other band that was like, yeah, we got to hunt down these Immortals and we have to kill them all. And for the reason I mentioned before is, I think it was because they thought that if the last immortal turned out to be an evil person, he would essentially enslave humanity. Now, I know that they did have a series spinoff of Highlander called Highlander the Raven. Did you ever watch yeah. that series? Yeah, it only lasted uh, one season, and it was didn't even have any McCloud in it. And it was just one of the other characters in the TV series that it was more centered on by the name of Amanda. And from what I can remember of it, you know, is just another, like the TV series, just random things going on. And, you know, like ever so often there would be a sword fight and the immortal taking the head. They tried to, you know, extend the series, but uh, apparently it failed because... It only no, lasted a season. Yep. Yeah, the... I have uh, another friend who... Uh, he watched the Highlander series, and we talked about it a little a bit every now and then, and he was telling me about the Raven, and that was one of his big complaints. As you said, it's like, yeah, there's a sword fight every now and then. Because he was telling me, it's like, okay, in the original Highlander series, you usually got a sword fight every episode. Whereas in Highlander the Raven, you were lucky if you got a fight every three episodes. And I've heard other reasons why the series tanked. Uh, Josh Hadley, uh, he's been on my show a few times, and he does a podcast called Radiodrome, and he, did, he also did his own Highlander retrospective. So if you want to learn more about Highlander from someone who knows more about it than I do, and um, he goes a little bit more into it, but he described Highlander the Raven as essentially a buddy cop show 
except one of the cops happened to be an immortal. And there were other problems as well, like I think behind the scenes, the two main co-stars, he was saying they hated each other. So when you've got a series like this and the two main actors can't stand to be in the same room, yeah, it kind of makes it hard to film. Now, the, there's one other TV show for The Highlander that we're going to talk a little bit about. And this is one of those TV series where the less you say about it, the better. Steve, did you know that they made a Saturday morning Highlander cartoon? Yeah, unfortunately I do. And yes, I did see a couple of those episodes. I saw part of one episode. Now, I think this one takes place in like the far future. And the, what was the name of the, the like Quentin McQuaid or something? Or McCloud? Yeah, Quentin McCloud, I think is his name. Yeah. And, okay. Now, when we talk about movie sequels and franchises, and this, this is not just movies and TV shows, it can also apply to video games as well. Sometimes when you look at sequels and franchises, you got to look and go, what were they thinking? You know, whose idea was it to do something that was pretty much doomed to fail from the start? That's one of the things I think when I think about the Highlander cartoon series. I really wish I could be a fly on the wall of the meeting of the person who said, yeah, let's take this movie series with people cutting each other's heads off and turn into a kid's show. Now, surprisingly, this show did actually last two seasons. But, Steve Bunch, it sounds like you know a little bit about the backstory behind this particular series. So, tell us, how did this R-rated movie series with lots of sword fights and, and heads getting cut off how did this transition into a Saturday morning cartoon? Well, from what I can remember, the, the main concept of the that series is you had a group of immortals suddenly go, you know what, we're tired of this game. We don't want to fight each other. So why don't we band together, make this oath. We are going to lay down our swords and not fight each other. Concept, good in the planning. Execution, not so good when you get guys that go, mm, no, I don't want to follow that rule. So thus, the group, the little good guys group that goes, yes, we made this oath, go, we got to take care of that guy, but we don't want to break our oath. So we need an immortal that can fight him. Thus, the main character of the TV series comes into play. See, and the, the way that they tried to make this more kid-friendly is when they had the quickening, it was essentially sharing the knowledge instead of passing it, you know, on by killing the person and taking their, their, their life energy, their quickening. So they would, like, touch swords or they would both grab a sword. Or, it was just... I, like I said, I'm surprised the series lasted two seasons. I saw part of one episode, and yeah, it was pretty bad. So, the less we say about it, I have a feeling, the better. 
Well, back to the movie series. Now, the I don't remember what year it was, but after the third dimension, the or the final dimension, rather, the next Highlander movie was Highlander Endgame. And this one, I was believe, was supposed to bring the movie series and the TV series together. So, yeah, I, I think by this time, they pretty much said not only did Highlander 2 not happen, Highlander 3, well, forget about that as well. Because this is where we get to see Duncan and Connor together again. Now, I know Endgame did get a bad rap. I personally liked it. I did like how they went more into the background and relationship between Connor and Duncan, how they did a lot of flashbacks in their lives. And I think it did have some good fight scenes. So what were your impressions of Highlander Endgame? Highlander the Endgame tried to end the movie series and the TV series, you know, tried to bring it all together in one ultimate ending. Yeah, because in you this know, one I know it's centered upon the main villain, Jacob Kell, and it talks about how he, you know, had this rivalry with Connor and, you know, explained a little bit about that. And then also uh, he had this roving band of immortal renegades. And the, I have to say one of my favorite lines in that movie, Connor gets tired of fighting. So he goes to one of these sanctuaries to be take, you know, taken out of the game. However, some of Kel's uh, renegades, they raid the sanctuary. They kill all the immortals and the watchers within except for Connor. Well, Connor, he's tired of fighting. So he wants Duncan to kill him. And he, they get in a duel and... Uh, Duncan ends up killing Connor with a move that he taught him because I remember them going about uh, how they there was some move that Connor said when properly executed was unstoppable so he used this move to kill uh, Connor well basically it was like you said Connor was getting tired of the fighting and their main bad guy was too powerful for them to fight alone but yes. they needed to fight together. And the only way that Connor knew how to do that was one of them had to be killed and gain the other's power. Yes, now I remember what I was going to say. Um, after the Duncan kills Connor, uh, Joe, who we forgot to mention this because we, you know, we probably should have spent a little more time about the TV series, but that's okay. We can go back to that. But uh, in the TV series, you meet Joe Dawson, I think his last name is. Yeah. Uh, Joe Dawson, who's Connor's watcher. And even though... No, he's not Connor's, he's Duncan. Duncan's, you're right, sorry. Did they ever uh, introduce a watcher for Connor, or, or no? I think they may have just mentioned a name for it, but you never actually meet the watcher, per se. Okay. Because, yeah, Joe Dawson has a, pretty pro has a fairly important role in the last couple movies here. Because unlike most watchers where... They, you know, they just kind of take this hands-off approach. Dawson does actually form a friendship with Duncan. Now, in the, the TV series, did they ever mention how Joe and how Joe revealed himself to Duncan, or did Duncan find out about Joe by accident? Or don't it, it was a combination of both. It was after uh, Duncan's friend Darius gets killed in a church which if everyone knows, 
holy ground is like sacred ground for immortals. Yeah, you don't. So having an immortal killed in holy ground, someone else had to have killed him. Thus, uh, Darius knew that his time was almost up, left uh, a note, per se, which was actually a whole book, for Duncan to, to check out. And he, and he looks at it and, and starts reading the book and realizing it's notes talking about an immortal life journey in a time period, and thus had, you know, the Watcher symbol on it and an address that Darius left them. So when Duncan goes to visit that address, it's to a bookstore, and there's where he meets Joe Dawson. So to get back to my original thought before we got sidetracked there, one of my favorite lines in Endgame came when Duncan was getting ready to go fight Kel, and he was talking with uh, Joe, and I think there was someone else there as well. Um, He goes... Joe just kind of nonchalantly asks Duncan, Duncan, how many heads have you taken? And he's like, I lost count or I haven't kept track. And Joe was like, well, we have. And he pulls out a computer and he shows that, you know, okay, Duncan, you've taken like 200 some yeah, heads. heads. Yeah, and uh, Kel, he's taken 666 heads. So he's like, you're a little out of your league. And then, of course, uh, you know, the movie ends with the climactic sword fight between Kel and uh, Connor. I'm sorry, not Connor, Duncan, which, of course, Duncan wins. Yep. And all in all, I enjoyed the movie. I did like how Joe Dawson did play a little bit more of a role in there. Because uh, I know there was a renegade watcher that was going to try to shoot Duncan uh, while he was fighting Kel. But... Uh, Joe, you know, actually saves uh, Duncan's life by killing the person who was going to shoot him. And then the, I think there was also a scene in there where they did capture Duncan and they were going to put him into the sanctu a sanctuary, but uh, Joe rescued him from that. So your thoughts on Endgame? The concept of Endgame was, you know, to basically just tie up the series. You know, end it up. And I would have to say that yeah, they they did, for the most part, did end it up like they did for the first movie. Yeah, they left it open enough that we could continue the, the franchise if we wanted to, but we did pretty much end it. And, of course, they didn't end it because that left us with one more Highlander movie, Highlander, The Source, which like Endgame received mixed reviews and I think it was actually more it was a, considered a bit more on the negative side what were your thoughts on Highlander the Source well after I watched it it was like a nice concept but you know it, it totally took everything that I know about Highlander and just went eh whatever yeah cuz I think they were trying to take a cue from Highlander to the quickening um, because what they did is this one takes place on some sort of post-apocalyptic Earth, which I don't think they really say what caused the the world to go to pot. Um, because I remember in the you know in the the opening part of the movie, uh, Duncan is searching for his lost girlfriend, 
and he's in some kind of ruined cityscape. I don't think they ever explain what happened to the world to make it end up like it did. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again to see if I could catch it. Because I wasn't really paying attention to that part. It was just watching the movie and then seeing what the concept was. Which the end result, spoiler, spoiler, were here. That there is the source for all immortals. And thus, Duncan went there and got, you know, whatever approval that the source granted him. And thus, he was to be able to have a kid. I believe they tried to imply that the reason that an immortal should have children is to jumpstart the next phase of human evolution. I know there was a guardian for the source who was kind of this big bulky guy, but he wasn't bulky in like the you know classic Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilder type bulky. It was more, it looked like, I don't know. I did not like the look and design for the Guardian. He just didn't, he didn't do it for me. But I know we did also get to see more from Mythos in this one. And there were a couple other guys that they introduced as well. Because at the start of the movie, uh, they were trying to find the coordinates for the source. Which, again, I don't know if they addressed this or if they just assumed that the audience wouldn't notice or wouldn't care. But... Apparently now, all of a sudden, the Immortals are aware of the Source, which is, you know, as, as you said, this is the place where an Immortal can go and he can become more, he can, well, I, mean, I don't know if he becomes mortal, but it once he gets to the Source, he can have children again. And they go into a little bit of the backstory of the Guardian, and I don't know, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. It was okay. I personally kind of liked uh, Endgame better. Yeah, same with me. Just the, the source just was like a uh, movie two to me. It's like, all right, yeah, we got all this thing, and now here's this ultimate power, the source of all immortals, and we're going to go find it. So the source pretty much ties up the series as if Endgame didn't, and whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's kind of up to you. Like I said, uh, the source, I think, received predominantly negative reviews, it wasn't terrible, but by no means is it a great movie. Now, Steve, did you hear that they're actually thinking of rebooting the Highlander series? Yeah, I've heard the rumors of doing remakes. In my point of view, yeah, I want to check it out, see how well they, they do on a remake. And that's what I was actually going to ask you is, do you think that it's possible for Hollywood to make a good reboot of this franchise or do you think it's just going to be your typical, you know, lackluster reboot with shallow characters and or silly or incoherent plots? But it sounds like you're you seem pretty positive about it. Well, like I said, it's one, Highlander is one of the series that I like. Well, of course, everything I like, you know, it's got its bad apples. I want to check it out, see how well it is. Hey, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, well. They tried. No, it didn't work. Yeah, because well, I... Of course, it's like, how, how's the remake that they're going to do? Is it going to be like, you know, just the name Highlander and it's going to be a whole different storyline? Now, Steve, like, Hollywood would never do anything like that. Hollywood executives would never say 
you know, let's take a movie or TV franchise, we'll make it the same name, but we'll make an entirely different concept. They would never do anything like that, would they? Well, as I was saying, you know, <laughs> then you got to remake, like, Total Recall, where it's like, yeah, the concept's the same, but they changed it up a little bit. Yep, just like I was saying, where it's the, it might have some of the same concepts or the same name, but it's completely different. But then you got like the movies like The Longest Yard. And from what I've seen, it's basically the same movie, just different actors. Well, with the Highlander one, I was reading an article about it a while ago, and I think they did confirm who was going to play the Kurgan. I don't remember the guy's name. I believe Ryan Reynolds, who of course played Deadpool in the X-Men movies, he was going to... Uh, be Connor, but I think he may have bowed out of the project. I'm not sure if it was to go work on the upcoming Deadpool movie or not. But I mean, you're. I guess I don't have as much of an emotional attachment to the the Highlander franchise as you do. So my personal opinion, I'm probably going to take a little bit more of a negative approach to it because I guess just usually for me, whenever Hollywood reboots something. I think they usually fail to capture the spirit of the original or they intentionally make it too gritty or too mature or in or some cases. The, or they're trying to get this generation into it. Yeah, uh, another one is like the RoboCop remake. From what I've seen, it's like, yeah, it's RoboCop. And yeah, the movie was somewhat decent, but yeah, it just didn't catch the... Uh, previous now where you got you know the newer generation that's like probably hadn't seen the older movies and they're like oh robocop pretty nice (laughs) well another problem though with the the reboots and this is something i could see them doing for highlander is when they make it too far distant from the original now i understand i i agree with what you said that if they are going to be rebooting an old tv or movie franchise they have to try to market it to today's audience as opposed to yesterday's audience. A few, many episodes ago, Dan and I were talking about uh, Transformers and Voltron. Um, oh wait, no, I think it was our random thought patterns episode. But you know, when in that episode, Dan, we were talking about just random topics, and Dan mentioned that. Did you know that they were actually thinking of doing a reboot of Voltron? But what the they were actually going to make not a reboot, um, but they were actually going to make a live action Voltron, and they were actually going to set it on Earth in New York. Fortunately, they decided to scrap that, and they're not going to make that movie because I don't know. As someone who watched Voltron when I was a kid, I can't see that series taking place on Earth without it really kind of insulting my memories. What about you? Do you do you think an idea like that where you do take an older franchise or TV series or whatever and you do put a new spin on it, do you think that's good or bad for the, the franchise? Like I said, it depends on how they pull it off. With your example of putting Voltron hosted on Earth, yeah, I, I don't see that happening because Voltron is supposed to be the guardian of this distant world. You know, they they can start the series, you know, start the movie on Earth, you know, where you meet the pilot, 
and then they go in the spaceship and fly out to where they're supposed to go. But having Voltron on Earth, the only one that I can see really being that one is when they, in the cartoon series, the Voltron with vehicles. Yeah, I think we may have mentioned this when we talked about anime, but uh, the original, the, the vehicle Voltron, you know, it actually wasn't originally Voltron. It was just a cartoon that was repurposed, and they made a few changes to the script to tie it into Voltron. But, well, I said time will tell. We will have to kind of keep an eye on this and see new developments arise in the Highlander remake. And hopefully it won't totally suck. Hopefully they'll actually make it a decent movie and it won't just be a blood and guts CGI fest that I think some people are assuming it's going to be. For now, I think we've talked enough about this particular topic. So with that said, uh, again, if you want to find me, you can go to POIGamestudio.com. You can also look up Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Don't forget you can listen to the... Geekery in general podcast on either iTunes or you can get it through podbean.com. So thank you for joining us. Have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. And well, I don't know. We didn't really talk about gaming. So uh, happy movie watching (laughs) or TV watching or whatever. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Talk to you guys later.